to geographic location, along with the wisdom of old King George II, Americans were pretty much allowed to run their own affairs. Philadelphia, with a population of 34,000, was the largest city in America and second largest in the overseas British Empire. New York had a population of 22,000 in the north, and in the south, Charleston, with approximately 10,000 people, was the chief port of economic activity. Because Americans were prolific producers of goods, they had a dynamic and prosperous economy. As a matter of fact, America was famous for its ragged currency, so named because it changed hands frequently. American autonomy, however, was significantly disrupted when, at the age of 22, George III ascended to the throne of Great Britain in 1760. Not as wise or benevolent as his grandfather, the new king immediately set out to establish his power and influence over the Americans. His mental attitude and initial actions were like those of a modern tyrannical boss who arrives to run a new organization, with no respect for the culture or individuals that are already in place. Worse yet, the youthful George III attempted to impose his will and personal values on a proud and fiercely independent people. One of the empire's first moves against the colonies was to establish the Revenue Act of 1764, better known as the Sugar Act, which imposed a duty on American imports of molasses as well as limiting distribution from the West Indies to America. The effect on American production of distilled whiskey and rum was devastating. Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New York, and Pennsylvania immediately united and sent out numerous protestations to London, all of which fell on deaf ears. While Americans never did like being told what to do, and usually ignored previous edicts or orders, Great Britain was now threatening their very livelihood, and that was a different matter altogether. On August 14, 1764, an effigy was hung from an elm tree in Boston's Hanover Square. Beside it was a large black boot with a devil crawling out of the opening, symbolizing the Earl of Butte, an unpopular British official. The Liberty Tree, as it soon came to be known, became a gathering point for dissident, sometimes riotous Americans. And beating the effigy or the boot was symbolic of striking a blow for freedom. As tempers and passions began to rise, the American people became something of a volcano waiting to erupt. Just one major quake was necessary to set them off. And Great Britain provided that catalyst with imposition of a series of new oppressive government decrees. The Quartering Act of 1765, for example, permitted the quartering of British troops in private residences without the permission of homeowners, which gave a hint of future British plans. But it was the Stamp Act of that same year that really caused a major crisis. 
The creation of this new tax, requiring stamps purchased from the British government be placed on nearly all publicly sold documents, incited immediate and spontaneous riots across the colonies. Poor people were thrown out of work because their employers couldn't afford to pay both them and the government. As a result, British officials were seized and beaten by American citizens, and the slogan, No Taxation Without Representation, was heard all across the land. Great Britain was equally defiant toward the American upstarts. After repealing the Stamp Act in 1766, the government added the Declaratory Act, which proclaimed Parliament's supreme power over the colonies in both legislation and taxation. And then, in 1767, the royal government implemented the Townsend Acts, a series of external taxes levied on imports from England. More important, however, was the fact that these new decrees subtly provided for all economic controls to pass from local government authority to hand-picked representatives of the British crown. Unauthorized warrants and seizures were now sanctioned, and with time, American fiscal affairs were to be controlled by Great Britain. At first, the Townsend Acts did not create a great deal of reaction, and certainly there was no organized revolutionary movement in America. Gradually and steadily, however, a determination to resist British authority grew among businessmen, merchants, skilled professionals, and astute southern plantation owners. In April 1768, after John Hancock defiantly prevented an inspection of one of his cargo ships, the British government filed criminal charges against him. This was not an act that went unnoticed, because Hancock was one of Boston's wealthiest and most influential businessmen. Even though the charges were eventually dropped, individual disobedience of British law became more and more common. On October 1st, 1768, a large number of British troops landed in Boston to quell the dissidents and provide coercive support for the local officials. But residents of Boston deeply resented the presence of troops, and almost immediately groups of radicals began roaming the streets of Boston picking fights with soldiers. Finally, on March 5, 1770, the British opened fire on one band of unarmed citizens, killing five and wounding six. Word quickly spread throughout the colonies of the Boston Massacre and public outrage began to reach a crescendo. In spontaneous and unrelated events, liberty trees were consecrated from South Carolina to Connecticut, as Americans rallied against the tyranny of England. After a few years of feeble attempts to quell the outrage, Great Britain finally repealed the Townsend Acts. But only a few months later, in March 1773, the Crown, through the newly formed Gaspé Commission, took the unprecedented step of assuming power to negate trial by jury in the American colonies. And then, 
in an effort to rescue the near-bankrupt East India Company, Parliament passed the Tea Act of 1773. Already alarmed at the threat of a British monopoly on tea, Americans were further outraged when Tory merchants, British businessmen in America, were granted sole rights to sell the tea. In protest, a group of Bostonians, thinly disguised as Indians, headed for Griffin's Wharf late on the evening of December 16, 1773. There, in what has since become known as the Boston Tea Party, they boarded ships from the British East India Company and threw 342 chests of tea overboard into Boston Harbor. When news of this latest defiant act reached England, the government reacted angrily. On January 29, 1774, the British Privy Council summoned Benjamin Franklin, who was in London as an agent for the Massachusetts State Legislature. At that meeting, the Solicitor General, Alexander Wedderburn, spent more than an hour dressing down Franklin and assailing his virtue and character. All the 68-year-old American could do was to stand there in silence and take it. The British Parliament then passed the Boston Port Bill, which created a blockade of Boston Harbor, closing off all overseas trade and coastal shipping until the East India Company was repaid for its lost tea. Parliament also passed several more measures that, combined with the other acts of oppression, were quickly labeled the Intolerable Acts. These included the Massachusetts Government Act,